0: Anyway, good morning and welcome to all of you that are here with us. We are live via satellite to our campus in Stevens Point as well as the campus on the west side of Green Bay over in Howard. And our guys down in the cafe as well as all of you here, good morning. Let's all stand together, shall we? This is the one exercise we all do together as a people of faith, a a community, our church, where we recite the Apostles' Creed together. These are the fundamental truths that we believe here at Celebration Church. Let's say this together. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have all of you here today. I want to remind you about our concert tonight with Dino Carsonakis world-class pianist who uh, is here with us he's actually sitting on the front row over here with his lovely wife and uh they're going to be he's going to be doing a phenomenal concert tonight you do not want to miss this this guy has played Carnegie Hall. He's played for presidents and world leaders. He has played for everybody. It's amazing that he actually talks to me. But uh, he's a wonderful guy, and we've got a chance to become friends over the last several months, and we are so thrilled that he is here. And so we want to let you know about that. Starting tonight, 7 o'clock, celebrating the great victory over the Bears. or licking our wounds, one or the other. (laughs) We want you here. It'll be a wonderful, glorious time. This morning, I want to talk to you about uh, a story from the Old Testament about a guy by the name of Nehemiah. We're going to start with that. Now, Nehemiah was a man who looked uh, during his time at the city of Jerusalem and saw that it was in terrible shape. This is after uh, armies had come through and destroyed the city, knocked down all the walls. They were taken off into captivity. It was a very sad time. Of course, all of this was a result of their disobedience to God. But uh, here he was going through and looking at all of this. And uh, in the natural, everything looked hopeless. But Nehemiah was a man of vision. And the thing with people of vision is they can see things that do not yet exist. Now, I got to tell you, when it comes to actually building things, I'm a man without a vision. I'm talking physical things, you know. I I don't see it. I don't get it. You ever go to a a construction site and you walk around and there's all these sticks up and stuff? And guys say, yeah, check it out. This is where the bedroom's going to be. And this is where the living room's going to be. And everybody's going around going, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. And I'm walking around going, it looks like a bunch of sticks to me. You know, I don't get it. I can't see it. But uh, Nehemiah could see it, and he was a man of vision, and he knew what God was doing, because God had put it in his heart. We can fix this, we can rebuild these walls. And we read about it in Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is an interesting book of the Bible. The whole thing's written in the first person. He's talking about how this is what I did, and then we did this, and the whole thing's written this way. And we can read his words, kind of like a journal, if you will. And Nehemiah writes this in uh, the second chapter of Nehemiah, verse 11. He says, I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do in Jerusalem there were were no mounts with me except one I was riding on Then then I said to these guys, he says you see the trouble we are in Jerusalem lies in ruins and by and its gates have been burned with fire you can see what trouble we are in, now that people can see people don't have a Problem seeing what's wrong with stuff you ever notice that you know, It's like they have this gift you know whatever's rotten whatever is struggling if everybody sees that but to have a vision to look beyond that and to see the other side where you come out in victory that's where a lot of people have a hard time seeing so he said look you guys you can see the obvious things around here really stink this is awful everything's destroyed everything is down it's in a terrible situation and then he said something to these guys that probably surprised them when he said it and he said this he says come on let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem we will no longer be in disgrace he challenged them we can do it we can do this thing let's make it right I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me he'd gone to the king to get permission to do this and the king had told him okay which was a big deal and then they replied yeah Let's do it. We can do this. Let's start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Now you talk about a mess. This thing was a disaster. And for them, where do you start? And they started working. And they started rebuilding the walls. Now as they started rebuilding things and making something out of nothing, that's when the critics come out of the closets and they're all whining and bellyaching and pointing fingers and trying to get them to be distracted. And he had his critics, we read about them in the fourth chapter of this book. And it says, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. And he ridiculed the Jews. He made fun of them, laughed at them. In the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they... Offers sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from these heaps of rubble, burned as they are? And then Tobiah, the Ammonite, who's hanging out with him, says this. He says, what are they building? Even if a fox climbs up on it, it would break down their wall of stones. It's nothing. It's nothing that they're doing. It'll never last. It'll never stick. Little fox jumps up. The whole thing goes down. But in spite of the criticisms, they continued the work. And these guys started threatening them that they were going to come against them and stop them from building the work. But they refused to stop building, even when the circumstances got worse. I mean, it was bad enough starting in a situation where everything really stinks. You know what I'm saying? Everything's down, everything's knocked down, and you're frustrated, and, and you're it's easy to not have a heart. But then as you start working, then things get worse. And people start attacking and threatening. But these guys refused to stop. Hallelujah. And we read about it in the 16th verse. He says, From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. They would not be deterred. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. And those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. (laughs) What a cool story. And they go on to rebuild the walls. Now just as God had inspired Nehemiah to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, he put in our hearts to build this church here in Green Bay and to do something significant in Wisconsin. Now, as we've stepped out in faith, God has blessed what we've been doing. But like Nehemiah, we've had, you know, a few of our detractors who've tried to discourage us from building, saying that we're not building the walls the way they think they should be built. I wouldn't do it that way. And then the walls won't last. There's nothing to it. But like Nehemiah and his men, we have not been deterred. Praise God. And just like the man who joined in Nehemiah's vision, you guys have joined with us together and we have seen God do something really special in this church over the last two years. The church is growing. People are coming to Christ. Their lives are being transformed by the gospel. And I I wish we had time to let you hear some of these stories. Every once in a while, we'll we'll shoot little testimonies and you can hear them up on the screen in the services. But we have seen such amazing stories of people's lives being turned around by the love of Christ. I mean in the end that's what this is all about, transforming lives. People are learning about the Bible, learning how to trust God uh, in their lives. Our location here has gotten full. Uh, We've gone from two services, from one to two services over in Stevens Point because that service had gotten so full and then we, uh, our cap- cafe is still growing and doing well and a few weeks ago we stepped out in faith all you guys over on the west side of Green Bay and we launched that west side campus in Howard and what a great start I mean when we opened three weeks ago whatever that was uh, 300 people were gathered over there uh, worshiping with us and being part of this deal now that's not a small deal that's a big deal 300. When you consider 80% of the 400,000 churches in America have about 100 and a quarter people in them, to kick off with 300 is pretty stinking cool. And we're very excited about it that people can start hearing about the gospel over there. <laughs> and some people say, well, why do you do this? Why are you launching out into Why don't you just stay here and be happy? Well, we are happy, but we have a big vision. God has put a big dream on the inside of of us. We want to reach as many people as we can with the good news of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that we are to go to people and bring the gospel to them. It's not saying just build a building and expect them to come to us. And we're grateful that we have facilities like this and in the different places and that people locally can come. But if we're going to keep reaching uh, other people, we got to keep reaching out where they are and going to where they are. And uh, you start getting into a situation where it's, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes for people to drive to church, 40 minutes. Uh, most people won't do it. A lot of you do, you know. Some of you drive really a long way. Some people drive from Fond du Lac to church here every Sunday. Y'all are nuts, but we love you. But, uh, you know, but, but most people, they won't do it they just won't do it so we are we've got this model because of your faithfulness and support over the last two years as we've rebuilt this church and we've been able to put up a satellite uplink and it's allowed us to duplicate ourselves in other places and this is just the beginning we are really excited about it there's still a lot more people who need to hear about jesus and they need to experience the gospel of christ hear and experience i say that because a lot of people in america have heard the gospel why have they not responded because by and large they haven't seen it they haven't experienced it they haven't seen people live the life they've heard a lot of people talk the talk they haven't seen many people walk the walk and that's what we need to do our whole church is about trying to bring practical Christianity and live it out in front of people as pastor Lathan talked about this morning our three points number one we want to be real Let's just be real. Let's stop being plastic. Let's stop being phony. Let's stop being something that we're not. And I say, man, let's just be who we are. What if God actually made us the way we are on purpose? (laughs) How about that? Now, sometimes we're a little bit too real for people. I get it. I'm a little too real for some people. You know, our worship services are a little too real for some, you know. Every once in a while you meet somebody and they say, oh, I've been to your church. Really? He says, yeah, but I, I can't go back there. Why not? He said, oh, that music is like like American Idol. <laughs> you know, lights moving and grooving and you know, that's just inappropriate, inappropriate. Apparently they'd like it if we just had a piano and a ukulele and they'd feel good. <laughs> but we're not about to change. We like doing it this way. It's just who we are and we're not trying to be something we're not. This is who we are. Are, and we love it, and God has blessed us with some fabulous musicians who get up there and sing and do their thing, and we appreciate it. <laughs> Let's be real. Someone one time said, "You know, I, I, that pastor, I don't I, gets up there and he acts like a clown." My response to that is, "I am not acting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like this all the time." Ask my poor wife, she'll tell you. It's not so funny to her anymore. <laughs> I remember when I was a young guy, I think I was about 16 years old, we had just come to Christ, me and my brother Eddie, and we met this pastor. He was a cool guy. I mean, he was, you know, one of these cool guys. And he was down to earth and fun and everything else like that. And, and we went to his church one Sunday morning, and he came out and, and uh, opened the service with, Praise God. It's so good to have you all here in the house of God today. And we started giggling. We thought he was kidding. But he wasn't kidding. And he kept it up the whole service. And it's all right. God bless him. Some people dig that. But I I remember thinking, I don't ever want to do that. Let's just be who we are. What if God made me this way on purpose? What if God made us the way we are on purpose? Let's just be real. Let's not try to fit into some mold that doesn't really fit us. Let's quit trying to you know there's there's models of Christianity. Uh, the Ox tonight <laughs> we we're talking about this last night you know where Christianity you have to look a certain way and you have to do a certain and you can't do this and you got to do this and la, la 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 that's what a Christian is and I I just reject that I don't I don't buy into that because most of those things aren't even in the Bible just came out of somebody's opinion that's the way things should be well it's okay if it's for them but we just want to be real we also encourage people to belong belong a group of people that we connect with each other and we believe in something bigger than ourselves we believe in the power of the church and God moving through other people speaking into our lives but I believe that Churches are the most effective when you get people together that necessarily aren 't exactly the same. so much of Christianity for so many years has been everybody who meets together they all have to think the same about everything and they all have to look the same they all have to act the same and they all have to be from the same uh economic sphere you've got the rich churches you have the rich white church you got the poor you know hispanic church you got the black church you got the hippie church you got all these, and it's great i understand and god's called some people to do that and they're reaching specific groups of people but i gotta tell you in my heart of hearts i don't believe god is all that glorified and i don't think people are all that impressed when we just surround ourselves with people who look and think and act just like us I think when God is glorified is when you get a whole bunch of people like this together. We don't all look the same. Some of you got ties on this morning. Some of you have tattoos on this morning. The difference is I can take my tie off. (laughs) Some of you are dressed up. Some of you are in jeans. It doesn't really matter. I'm kind of half and half. I'm confusion. (laughs) Who cares? Who cares? There's blacks, there's whites, there's Hispanics, there's Puerto Ricans, praise God. (laughs) There's some people in this church that are extremely wealthy, very blessed by God. Other people, you can barely make it from day to day. It's okay. We can all fellowship together. We don't have to think the same about every little point of doctrine. I reject that kind of Christianity, that kind of thinking, that everybody has to think the same about everything. Now the basic points, we said that together when we stood as a family of faith, here, over on the west side, over in Stevensmo, we're all set together. This is what we believe. Those are our fundamental tenets, but there's a lot of other things in the Bible that just are debatable, you know? How do you baptize somebody? Does it have to be in running water? Can it be in a pool? Can it be with a fire hose? <laughs> Can you just sprinkle with people, you know, you know? Of course the problem with sprinkling is you just get saved in spots, you know? But No, no. Just being a jerk. Yes. (laughs) It doesn't really say. I'll tell you what I think. And we're always careful to distinguish what we think versus what we believe. There's some things that we believe. What we believe is non-negotiable. We just quoted those things. What we think, yeah, there's debate about those things. And I hope no one's ever felt pressured by any of us that you all have to think exactly like the pastor. You don't. You should, but you don't. (laughs) And then becoming. Be real, belong, and become. Become who God created us to be. Teach people the word of God. Instruct them in righteousness. You know, we're excited that so many people are being touched and the church is growing. And, you know, whenever your church grows, then you get the criticism, well, you guys are just about numbers well, no, we're not just about numbers, but make no mistake, God is about numbers. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Make disciples of at least just one. Is that what he said? He said, make disciples of all of them. Now, there's a thinking in Christianity that's been around for uh, forever, the idea that if just one soul gets saved, it's worth it all i know what they're trying to say in terms of the value of a soul but good grief you spend your entire life in a group of people in one church and did all the investment all the work and all they got is to show one soul out of a whole lot of them i don't think there's going to be a lot of celebrating for these people on the day they stand before the lord there's going to be some butt kicking going on jesus told us in parables after, over and over again praising those who gave a hundredfold thirtyfold people that produced something did something the one guy who just came and said well I just got the one little deal hallelujah he got in big trouble it's important that we change people's lives I don't want to be a church where we're just all concerned about us getting blessed our little group I've been part of churches like that for so many years You know, 100 of us, 200 of us all get together as long as we're blessed and we get our buzz, that's all that really matters. Man, if we're not attracting people, I think, you know, some of the things that we do are just, they're so bizarre and so self centered and stuff. It's just spiritual birth control. And nobody ever gets born into the kingdom in those environments. Man, I want us to spiritually breed like rabbits. I had to say spiritually there for (laughs) a minute. Anyway, we, like the men of Nehemiah's day, have made the decision that we're going to build. We're going to reach out. We're going to grow. We got a lot of criticism about that early on. Actually, when when we first got here and, and the bankers and stuff met with us and they all advised, they told us in our meetings when we met with these guys, you guys need to cut services. You need to cut back. You don't need all these people on the stage. You don't need all this stuff. You don't need all the programs and all the stuff that you're doing. You just need to cut, cut, cut expenses. Just cut, 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 cut. And I said, no, we're not going to cut our way out of this. We're going to grow our way out of this. And that's exactly what's happened. And it's been a wonderful thing. But make no mistake, building comes at a cost. It takes energy. It takes prayer. It takes time and it takes money. Now, it would be very easy in the light, particularly of the present economic meltdown turn down whatever you want to call it to freak out and not do anything it would have been easy not to launch the campus over to you guys in howard this morning stock market's on everything's down let's not stretch let's not do anything let's just button you know just hold on but we went ahead and moved forward even in spite of that stuff but do you know why because we do not trust in men's economy we trust in god's economy god's economy is totally different (laughs) So the question I have for you this morning is whose economy are you trusting? The economy that is struggling around us to keep its head above water are you trusting in God's economy? An economy that is not limited in any way, shape or form by what happens on the New York Stock Exchange. So Pastor, what is God's economy? Glad you asked. Let's take a look at it. It's very simple. Jesus talked about it in Luke. He says this, give. Give and it will be given to you. Now you gotta have to understand when fear sets in when things look like they're getting bad, the last thing in the world people want to do is give. They want to batten down the hatches. Hold on. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Don't touch stuff. There may not be enough for me. But God's economy is based on generosity. Based on giving. It's called faith. And this is what Jesus says. If you give, God's economy will make sure that it's given to you. You mean just a little bit? No. Keep reading. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap if you'll give. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus said this on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what about your body? What am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? Life is more important than food, and the body's more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't do jack squat. They don't go to work. They don't punch in. They don't worry about stuff. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than a bird? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? You know, I am by nature not a worrier. I I just refuse to fret and worry. It doesn't change anything. What's the point? That's what Jesus said. Why are you worrying? You're worrying and worrying and going over in your head. Who's oh, going to be awful? Who's oh, going to be awful? Who's going to happen? Ah, 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 ah. And you wake up and nothing's changed. You're killing yourself. It accomplishes nothing. Except fills your heart with fear. Keeps God's blessings away from you. And he says, well, why do you worry about clothes? Look at the lilies of the field. They don't labor or spend. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes... The grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Trust God. Trust God, he's trying to say. Get into God's economy. He keeps explaining it. So don't worry, he says. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? For the pagans run after all these things. In fact, we're getting ready for the annual running of the pagans. It's the day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> so. Uh, The annual running of the pagans, it's a yearly tradition. You can run with them if you want, but don't be like them. Don't be all materialistic and all freaked out over all this nonsense. The pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them, but this is the economy. Seek first his kingdom. Put God's interest first. First. And his righteousness. And guess what will happen? All these things, all these things you're fretting about, worrying about, all these things will be given to you. That's what Jesus said. Therefore, he says, Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I think that's hilarious. What? You don't have enough problems today? You got to worry about tomorrow? God's economy. Paul writes about it in Corinthians. He says, Each man should give. Give, give, give. What? What he's decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly, oh boy, here we go. Get in, preachers. All they wanted is your money. All they wanted, here we go. Money, 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 money. Money,
1: money, money. Money.
0: (laughs) Just popped in my head. Sorry. (laughs) Don't give like we're under compulsion. Oh, no, we got to do it. Oh, we got to do it. says, God loves a cheerful giver. That's why we clap when we take offerings around here. And check this out. You do this. Here's God's economy. God is able. Everybody say, God is able. able. He can do anything. He created the universe. Do you think it's really a problem for God to take care of you? Do you think he looks at you and goes, oh, myself. I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do. I was okay. Then that happened. I'm, I'm out. Do you really think this is difficult for God in any way, shape, or form? Do you, think it, do you think God is limited by what happens in the economy? He laughs at that stuff. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times all times everybody say all times all times even in bad times even in lousy times even in depressed times none of that has any bearing on what God can do in your life at all times having all that you need you will abound to every good work make no mistake God's blessings in your life can make all the difference hallelujah Hallelujah. Quit thinking about that negative stuff all the time. Everybody says, well, it's as bad as the Depression. Well, even if it gets as bad as the Great Depression. 30% unemployment. You know what that means? That means 70% of the people had jobs. Hallelujah. How many of you want to be in the 70%? And then you need to plug into God's economy. Because God is able. In all ways and at all times to make sure you are blessed. The psalmist wrote, I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed out begging for bread. God is faithful. You say, well, I don't believe that. That's why your life stinks. Okay? Quite frankly. Now, we are at the end of our current Imagine campaign for this last year. We go from December uh, through November, and uh, another week or two, uh, we'll be done with that. So we're getting ready to do this next campaign. Our... our uh, campus expansion campaign that we're doing now we've been talking about this we've been teaching on and preaching on this whole idea of being generous not being fearful plugging into god's economy by being a giver and uh and then we gave you these cards to fill out and stuff like that and we've given you three weeks now to think about it and pray about it so everybody pull out the card this morning y'all got them in your bulletins and uh, there are pens and stuff in front of you or look around if you need one and we want you to fill those things out now all right join with us now some of you can give what you gave last year others you'll adjust some of you will give less than you gave last year because of differences in your life some of you could give more than you did last year because of financial differences in your life Uh, i love what we studied when we were doing this uh generous giving you know what if, what if God's blessing to you isn't so much to raise your standard of living as, as it is to raise your standard of giving maybe you're in a situation like that this year where you could even uh, do more uh, but whatever it is let's all join together the beautiful thing about Nehemiah's day is everybody got together to do it and there's always those who can do more than you there's always people that will do less than you people have different skills I'm sure there are different guys you know Some were builders, some just sit there and held a spear all day long in case they got attacked. It doesn't always look the same. It comes in various forms. But they all did something. And together they built the walls in Jerusalem. I'm asking you this morning to join with us. Every family, everybody should do something. I don't care if all you can trust God for over the next 365 days is a single dollar. Then write on the card, one dollar. But don't do nothing. Join with us. Let's work together. Even when things are scary in the world's economy, let's plug into God's economy. Let's stay generous so that God will continue to bless us your life so whatever again it is that you guys feel comfortable in doing hopefully you've been praying about this and thinking about that fill out that card this morning and as you do this and you guys in the campuses do the same thing um, as you do this we are going to show a, 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 some, a, a small video uh, this won't matter so much to you guys in Howard because the video is about you but for the rest of us uh, there are two campuses here as well as over in Stevens Point get a chance to see uh, what God is doing as we've launched this new work over there and the hundreds of people that are already gathering in this very, very new outreach over there. So as we play this this morning, uh, fill out that card uh, and join with us together. Uh, all of us over here, uh, all of this are gonna be working, going to uh, helping establish the campus here. Uh, the Money in Point will stay in Point because there's a lot of projects there that we need to do and, and improve that facility, but join with us together now is the opportunity now is the chance to make a real statement in the face of criticisms in the face of those who mock and say what we are doing will not last in the face of stock markets going up and down like crazy people let's make a big statement let's say we are trusting god we are joining together we're going to build the walls
1: You are a good shepherd What could I want I follow after you You lead me out front You are a good shepherd You know me by name me by still waters Love will never change You are a good shepherd You are all I need You bring perfect peace You're close beside me You are a good shepherd You say it's time to feast Even though I am surrounded By the darkest and of me You are a good shepherd You call me your own Help will overflow Through goodness and love
0: We'll we'll collect those uh, when we take our offering. At this time, I'm going to ask all the ushers, all the different campuses to come forward at this time as uh, we get ready to serve communion. The musicians can come get ready to start uh, so they can play during the communion time. My question to you this morning is, what are you trusting in? You know, just like a lot of people make the mistake of putting their trust in uncertain economic things. A lot of people make the mistake of trusting in their own righteousness instead of God's righteousness. Thinking, I'll be okay. I'm not that bad of a guy. I don't sin that much. I'm better than my neighbor. You ought to see him. Yeah, you know, I'm all right. I'm, I'm a good guy. I don't, I don't, I don't need this, this church stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll be okay. But you're kidding yourself. Without Jesus' forgiveness in our lives, there is no hope for you. Without his sacrifice... You can't be good enough. You can't work it out. You can't just balance good a little bit better than bad. The Bible says our, even our best acts are like filthy rags to God. The reason Jesus Christ died on the cross is so that we could have forgiveness of sins. It's the only way you can deal with your sin problem. It's through His sacrifice. He died on that cross. His body was broken so we could be whole. His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. Trust me. If you could have done it on your own, Jesus would not have gone to the cross. He'd have just said, hey, work it out. Just be better. Give to the United Way. Whatever. That stuff doesn't work. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. That's what we're celebrating right now. My question to you this morning, as I'm speaking to all of you all over the place at the different campuses and in this room. Have you trusted in Jesus? Have you asked for his forgiveness in your life? I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer this morning. If you're willing to turn away from the wrong that's in your life. And you're willing to put your faith in Jesus. You can experience God's forgiveness in your heart today. Let's all pray this prayer together. Say dear Jesus. I believe you are the son of God. That you loved me so much. You went to the cross. And took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.